0: It's been said that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's human connection. Here, we connect anonymously. This is Addicts in the Dark with Quick Nick. About to open the lineup for one anonymous caller. They've got a maximum of an hour. It's caller eight in their story about addiction. Addicts in the dark. Hey, Nick. How's it going?
1: Not too bad. Yourself?
0: Not too bad either. So I think you know how this goes. Just don't mention your name and don't tell us exactly where you're from. Gotcha. And you've got a maximum of an hour if you choose to use the entire hour. Sure. All right, cool. So tell me about your addiction.
1: Um. Cool. So... Um, I had a really rough childhood and um, yeah I grew up with um, just like abuse and um, my family was really religious and we you know on the outside you had a really like perfect to everyone else it looked like a perfect kind of bubble a perfect family but on the inside it was not that at all it was pretty pretty abusive on the inside Um except for one member of my family who was my dad, and he was like my rock, and he was an amazing man. Uh, So my childhood was, you know, pretty rough, but it got even worse as I got older and into my teenage years, and I just started running amok into my teenage years. I kind of started to go on bad paths into my teenage years, got mixed up with the wrong crowd. And then when I was 19, um, my dad suddenly passed away, and I was there when he died and I tried to resuscitate him and it didn't work and he was, it was just his time, I guess. But that really threw me off the rails. Um, yeah, that, that threw me into a really dark place. And I started, I had a really great job, but it was, it was hard. I was, I'd gone to uni and become a youth work caseworker. And so, you know, dealing with my dad's death, which was super traumatic, And then having this massive caseworker job and trying to sustain that was just getting more and more heavy for me. So I was kind of thrown into these depths of like depression and not not knowing where to go. And I'd never dealt with my childhood at all. I'd kind of just brushed it to the side. And one day, randomly, I just went, I can't do any of this anymore. And I packed up and I left to the top of Australia. I just moved. From one end of Australia to the other, I left everything behind. I knew no one up there, no one at all. Um, So I had to basically start again. And what was really weird is I remember when I left, my mum said to me, Whatever you do, don't get into drugs. (laughs) And uh, that's pretty much all I did when I went up there. I moved into a share house and I didn't know at the time, but my housemates were all massive massive smokers massive weed smokers and like full-time they'd wake up they'd smoke all during the night like if they woke up during the night they'd um, smash a billy and then as soon as they woke up in the morning from to when they went to sleep that's all they were doing um and so I naturally just you know for for a while I wasn't that that keen on doing it but I I started venturing into it after a few months and i just kind of got this natural groove for it. I really enjoyed it and it helped me escape all of this, this crazy stuff that I was feeling, you know, all of this massive depression and massive uh, overwhelming feelings that I was feeling, you know, about my dad's death. I was trying to deal with my dad's death. I was trying to deal with um, the kind of mental burnout that I'd experienced from the work that I had just left. And also my childhood, like, I just, I was using it as like an escape really and it, and it actually really worked you know I'd got I'd developed really hectic PTSD from everything and it was really good like it worked um and for a while it wasn't really a problem I didn't see it as a problem you know and this was like the first maybe a year or two um but then slowly I started kind of integrated drinking in with that i I'd, I'd drunk before and I'd you know you'd go out with your friends and all of that before I left Um, Melbourne I would go out on the weekends and I'd you know have fun and whatever else but it was never never a problem but once I was up there and kind of in that lifestyle in Queensland sorry I would you know live this lifestyle of like that's all I would do I would drink and I would smoke and um, I started to realize that this was this was good Um, I was living I was living probably you know uh, I started living off Centrelink, really. I wasn't, which is our kind of um, like uh, government support. Uh, I was struggling to hold down a job, probably. And at that stage, I didn't see it as the substances I was using. I saw it as the mental health that I was battling. I didn't realize that I was kind of struggling with substances I really saw it as a mental health battle of what I'd been through and that it was all justified um, because of what I'd been through that I couldn't hold down a job um, that it was just yeah the shit that I'd been through so um, so that led me into a couple of years up there of just battling mental health and using substances to get through it Um, so then I slowly just Got worse and worse and worse. So the use just got all badder. It got it just got more heavy. Until I was spending every single penny I had on uh, weed or alcohol. And then it got to the point where I was skipping rent and skipping bills and, and skipping all of that sort of stuff that you essentially need to live. I would go without food even just to meet my kind of cravings and, you know, get rid of all the nasty feelings that I was feeling. And that was kind of the moment that I sort of realized, and this was maybe over two or three years of using, that was kind of maybe the moment that I realized, hey, maybe I do have a problem. And like the guys that I was living with, you know, I stayed living with them throughout this whole time uh we would sometimes joke you know we would get to the end of like a bag of weed and we would be doing whatever we could to get another bag and we would get it and get home and we would joke and we would go oh are we drug addicts like (laughs) I think we're drug addicts and we would joke about that like we would we thought it was funny and we thought it was white-hearted nothing you know kind of bad about it and and, but then on the deep down, I would go into my room or something like that, and I would be like reflecting on that. I'd be like, oh, man, I am a drug addict. Like I've got a problem. And um, I eventually, you know, after kind of a while, I, would, I eventually got to the doctor and got some mental health support. So I never stopped using, but I got some mental health support and got a little bit further on with my life, you know, kind of in terms of feeling a bit better. Better mentally, but always having this like addiction alongside of me. Like everywhere I would journey in life, everywhere I'd go, everywhere I walked, everything I did, I had this addiction right beside me. And I was living this kind of like almost two lives of like, and maybe being a functioning addict at this time. Because I got a job up in Queensland and I was, you know, I'm I'm a horticulturalist now and I, this is where my horticulture journey started, like with plants and everything. I got a job on a farm and I really loved it. So it kind of brought me back to life a little bit. And um, I started paying my bills properly again. I started doing all this stuff, but I always, always, always would smoke when i get home like it was the first thing i did i would walk through the door in fact i would park my car rush up to the front door get inside and as soon as i could i would smash a belly and then that night you know there was always a six pack of beers or a slab of beers in my house and i would always start drinking as soon as i got in inside and um again and just had this like addiction right beside me and that went on for maybe a year And then I started getting really sick, like physically sick. My gut was starting to like malfunction on me. And I just started like vomiting all the time. (laughs) And I didn't know what was wrong with me. And I ended up in hospital one day, you know, because one morning I woke up, it was like five o'clock in the morning. And I woke up and I could not stop vomiting. Like every five minutes was just, I was profusely vomiting, and my housemates were uh, actually visiting some friends in Melbourne, and I was by myself and I didn't know what to do, so I called an ambulance and because I just could not stop vomiting, and I felt like I was about to die really and uh, I called an ambulance, and they took me in and they I of course didn't disclose to them what I was doing in my spare time, and they just kind of had me in observation, they shot me up with some uh Anti-nausea meds and hydration, and then they sent me home. But of course, what did I do? When as soon as I got home, I was craving weed and craving booze. So I just had a session, got on, uh, got on the beers, and you know didn't even think twice about it. And from then on, I just kept getting worse and worse in terms of my physical health. I just kept getting more sick. And I uh, actually had to have my appendix out. They got infected real bad. And I just kept having all of these things go wrong with my body to the point where I actually got so sick that I had to quit my job. And um, still this whole time had this addiction riding straight alongside me, was still using profusely. And then I had to quit my job. So again, my rent wasn't getting paid because I would buy the weed and buy the booze first. My bills weren't getting paid. And so then my mom realized, because I was asking her for money all the time, she realized that something more than just my health was going wrong. And so she actually came up to Queensland and she packed my shit and she moved it back down to Melbourne. And she got me some really good medical care, but the whole time she didn't know what was going on really, like the deeper issues of my addiction. And, um, I lived with her for a little bit to try and get my health back on track, and I got to a really low point with my health. You know, my heart actually gave up. I went into heart failure um turns out I have a pretty nasty heart condition just because of what I put my body through, and I ended up having two major heart operations in one year, and um during this time i uh I met my girlfriend. Who's my current girlfriend but I met her during this whole thing uh she I sort of straight up disclosed to her that I smoked weed but I never and that I drank alcohol as most people do you know it's no biggie but I never told her that um I never told her that it was as bad as it was like I never disclosed to her that it was actually an addiction and I decided you know i decided i would try and get clean because she really kind of pressed home to me that um smoking wasn't for me that i was really sick and that maybe it would be a good idea if i just kind of tried this new way of living and so i tried and failed to get sober i relapsed within about 3 months and um i was that really shook me like that really disappointed me and kind of made everything worse because I went through this like I mean like while I was sober it was good but relapsing was one of the hardest things you know and I think probably most addicts can attest to this is you know when you get sober it feels good to to do something good like that but then when you relapse it's just like the guilt and the shame that you feel it's so hard because you know you're lying to people you know you know and there's an element of like being deceitful when you do relapse because you often do it in secret. I mean, I know I definitely did. I relapsed. when I relapsed it took me a long time to come clean about that. And I mean like this whole journey for me was very deceitful. I was never truly honest until I really hit rock bottom. And that happened for me when um I got to this point where me and my girlfriend um We had really kind of started a life for ourselves and been through a lot. I'd been through a lot of health issues and she always knew something just wasn't quite right. You know, she knew that I had relapsed in a certain way, but again, she never knew the full extent of my addiction. She never knew how bad it was. She definitely could see that alcohol was quite a problem for me, but again, never really the full extent. And then um, we had a Christmas with our family, and I'd gotten absolutely wasted and high as absolute like a kite, and I was just totally absent from the whole kind of thing in terms of like being present. Uh, and she, she that was a real breaking point for her. And we went out with our family that day to go jet skiing, and I was on the jet ski, and you know she went through my phone and found all of my like contacts with my like drug dealers and stuff like that. And she saw all the messages and realized that I was picking up just about every day. And, um, you know, not to mention all the drinking and going out for drinks and kind of, you know, mucking around with girls when I was drinking and just this full on problem. And that was when shit really hit the fan for us. And, you know, she, she left me after that. And, um, I went through a really bad patch after she left me and I basically tried to kill myself with with drugs and I started trying every drug under the sun and um, and I was using oxycodone. Um, I was using Tarzan, which is like a slow-release oxycodone. Uh, so I was popping a heap of those and meth. Um, the meth on and off, like I never really... Um, I never really kind of let it become a problem because I knew how bad it was, you know, and that sounds really cliche. <laughs> but, um, I mean, like my housemate in Queensland, he, uh, one of them in particular, he, he would use mess And, and um, when I was living with him, I knew how to do it because I saw him. I knew how to do it. I knew everything about it, like what to do, how to like use it, everything like that. Um, and then when I moved back down to Melbourne, it was very much the people that I was involved in and, and smoking weed with. It was like a natural progression for them. And I could just get it. I knew all of the right people. Um, I just, and I made a decision. I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Like, why not? Like, because in my mind, it was just that natural progression. I'd seen my housemate, who i'd i guess grown grown to trust, and like we' we had a really great friendship and I'd seen him do it without any kind of backlash or problem and Then all of my friends down here, I was like, you know they they were doing the same thing, I was like, "Well, this just must be the next thing that you do, and I just needed to escape everything that I was feeling, and I think that's really what led me to do it and so definitely, how I got access to it was just the people that I was involved in down here. But the oxy, I could get that whenever I wanted, and when I got it, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that I would get it like, you know, for like three months at a time. I mean, like I would get it whenever I wanted it. But in those three months, I would get it. You know, maybe like five weeks of those three months or something like that. You know, um, but in those in that period of like three to five months. I was hitting that stuff, you know, every few weeks. And it just got to the point, I just got to the point at the end of that, like five months where I was like, this is it. Like, sorry, no, I'm going to fuck myself up. And and I ended up overdosing on a whole bunch of drugs that I was on and woke up in a hospital bed. And my doctor said to me, my family was there, Crying their eyes out. I woke up with my whole family around me crying their eyes out. And my doctor said to me, I don't know what you're doing to yourself, son, but if you keep doing this, you're going to kill yourself. And it was right then that I realized, I have to stop this. This is it. I have to stop this. And I, you know, I hadn't seen my girlfriend or spoken to her in months, and I missed her so much. Like, she was the love of my life. And uh, I decided that was it, so I came clean to everyone. I told them everything, and uh, my mum was so upset; she was just heartbroken. Um, and just going through that, you know, telling my family everything was just heartbreaking. Despite everything that they'd put me through as a child, you know, I felt like I needed to just be honest and. So I took myself to Narcotics Anonymous, uh, um, and that started off a journey of sobriety. And then I ended up going and taking myself to rehab for three weeks. And um, that's where I really got clean. I got clean in those three weeks, and that was two and a half years ago, and I've never really looked back. Um, I've actually since gotten back with my girlfriend, you know, since being sober. And we've been living together now for a year, and um, that was probably the most uh, healing thing for me. My relationship with my family is very uh, is very much stable now. You know, I've I've got a I've got a job, a full time job that I've held, and I haven't held down a job. I've had this job for a year. I haven't held down a job for a year since. I left that job as a caseworker and youth worker back when my dad died. So this has been like, and my dad died in 2013. So this has been nearly a 10 year journey for me of, um, you know, an eight year journey of addiction and recovery. Um, and
0: in the end, you're in a lot of ways really fortunate because for addicts, and the people who love them, relationships can be especially devastating. The manipulations, guilt, and the destruction of relationships and the breakage of people in general. And maybe that's because when addicts know they're loved by someone who's emotionally invested in them, that in some ways can fuel the addiction. And you're really lucky because in the end, you healed a lot of those relationships.
1: Yeah. I mean, I am really fortunate. Like I, I I don't know how this has happened to me, but I have never been caught in terms of the law. I never, ever experienced a, and I feel very lucky about that in terms of that never ruining my life in that way, because, you know, Australia is so criminalized. Um, even you know, even even now when weed is uh, legalized, if you don't have a uh, prescription or some kind of medical documentation that says you can have that exact specific amount that you have on you, or those you know you're allowed to have, you're allowed to legally grow two plants in Australia in pots. If you don't have the exact documentation from the exact right person. That's it. Like you're going to court, you're going to jail. Like it is so criminalized over here and it could have been so easy for me to have my life completely ruined or furthermore ruined by, you know, being uh, deemed one of those criminals. And that's never happened for me. Um, you know, even though times that they ended up in hospital and they knew what was in my system because, you know, I've had so many blood tests. They knew everything that was in my system. I mean, the one real saving grace of that is that in Australia, if you're there to get medical care, they can't call the cops unless you're being aggressive or um, unless you're treating the staff of the hospital poorly. You know, that's the only time they're legally allowed to call the cops is when you're uh, being, you know, aggressive towards the staff because of what's in your system. So, um, yeah, I'm really fortunate in that way that I haven't being penalized legally for what i've done i'm very blessed in this in that i have been able to reform my relationships with my family and my friends and my girlfriend you know i i managed you know my girlfriend and i worked really hard but we we got it back and we're okay. And, you know, I know I know a lot of people who have lost a lot and it's gut-wrenching to hear those stories. But uh, um, nobody is below, nobody is, is ever that bad that they can't get that back if they are willing to do something about it for themselves. And I think that's where it all starts is you have to do it for yourself. You know, like when I went to, rehab I took myself to rehab I paid for it myself I did I did it myself I actually didn't tell anyone I was going to rehab I just went and that's I believe the only reason it works for me is because I did it I went it was my choice and I paid for it and it, you know I did it so um
0: now based on your narrative and everything that you've told me and the things that you've really stressed so far Would it be fair to say that you think smoking weed was more destructive on your life than smoking meth?
1: Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Spot on. You've really hit the nail on the head. I mean, I firmly believe cannabis is one of the most dangerous drugs out there. And this is why I believe that, because there is no fear of overdose. So people smoke and smoke and smoke until it gets out of control in a lot of people's cases and it is socialized and you hit the nail on the head when you said that. Smoking weed affected my life in such a detrimental way, way more than when I smoked meth. Way more. Hit the nail on the head.
0: Despite that and everything you've been through you do sound really happy.
1: Thank you. I uh, I really appreciate what you're doing and what you're about. I think you're unique. And uh, something I really love is listening to podcasts just in general. But I think I, I really get a lot out of listening to stories, uh, you know, that relate to me about addiction or recovery or anything like that. And, I, uh, uh, I think this is, this is awesome, man. I really, I really love what you're doing.
0: Marijuana has been, rightfully so, praised for its medicinal purposes. And that's what may make it hard for some to spot that they're abusing it. A substance abuse problem can be defined by having disruptions in psychological functioning. That doesn't mean you'll necessarily have disruptions in occupational functioning personal relationships, personal interactions. Most often, all of those things are disrupted. But if they are, most of the things that were lost along the way can be salvaged. Much like this color did. I'm Quick Nick. Thanks for listening. If you want to anonymously tell your story about addiction, find Addicts in the Dark on Instagram.